The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message. Pilgrim's Progress, Part 1 The Beginning of the Journey As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I came to a place where was a great den and lay down to sleep. As I slept, I dreamed I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in front of his own house with a book in his hand and a great burden on his back. I saw him open his book and read. As he read, he wept and trembled and broke out with a lamentable cry. What shall I do? In this plight he went home, and at length disclosed his state of mind to his wife and children. O oh, my dear wife and children, I am undone by the burden that lies hard upon me. Moreover, I am informed that our city will be burned with fire from heaven, and it will destroy all of us unless some way of escape be found. His family was sore amazed, not that the members believed what he had said, but instead they thought some frenzy had come into his head. They hoped that sleep would settle his brain. But in the morning he was worse, and so he walked alone in the fields to pray. As he was walking along reading his book, and greatly distressed in mind, he burst out crying, as he had done before. What shall I do to be saved? As he looked this way and that, he saw a man named Evangelist coming to him, and asked, Why do you cry? He answered, Sir, I perceive by the book in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that to come to judgment and I find that I am not willing to do the first, and not able to do the second. Then said Evangelist, Why are you not willing to die, since this life is attended with so many evils? The man answered, Because I fear that this burden upon my back will sink me lower than the grave. If this be your condition, why do you stand still? because I know not where to go. Then he gave Christian a parchment roll, on which was written, Flee from the wrath to come. The man read it, and looking upon Evangelist very carefully, said, Whither must I flee? Then said Evangelist, pointing with his finger over a very wide field, do you see yonder wicket gate? The man said, No. Then said the other, Do you see yonder shining light? I think I do. Keep that light in your eye and go directly towards it. Then you will see the gate, and when you knock, it will be told you what to do. So I saw in my dream that the man began to run. When his wife and children saw it, they began to cry after him to return. But the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on crying, Life! Life! Eternal life! 
so he looked not behind him, but fled toward the middle of the plain. The neighbors also came out to see him run, and as he ran, some mocked, others threatened, and some cried after him to return. But those that were resolved to bring him back by force were obstinate and pliable. Christian asked, Why are you come? They said, To persuade you to go home with us. But he said, That cannot be. You dwell in the city of destruction, the place where I also was born. Dying there you will sink lower than the grave into a place that burns with fire and brimstone. Be content, good neighbors, and go along with me. What? And leave our friends and comforts behind? Yes, because all you forsake is not worthy to be compared with the little of what I am seeking to enjoy. Read it, if you will, in my book. Away with your book. Will you go back with us or no? No, because I have set my hand to the plough. Don't revile. If what good Christian says is true, the things he seeks are better than ours. My heart inclines to go with my neighbor. I will go back to my place. I will be no companion of such misled fanatical fellows. Now I saw in my dream that when Obstinate was gone back, Christian and Pliable went talking over the plain. I am glad you are persuaded to go along with me. Had Obstinate felt, as I have felt, the powers and terrors of what is yet unseen, he would not have turned back so lightly. Tell me now further what the things are that we will enjoy where we are going. I will read them in my book. There is an endless kingdom and everlasting life to be given us, and we will inhabit that kingdom forever. Well said. And what else? There are crowns of glory to be given us, and garments that will make us shine like the sun in the firmament of heaven. This is very pleasant. And what else? There shall be no more crying nor sorrow, for he that is the owner of the place will wipe all tears from our eyes. And what company shall we have there? We shall be with seraphims and cherubims, creatures that will dazzle your eyes. Also, you will meet with thousands and ten thousands that have gone before us to that place. Well, my good companion, glad I am to hear of these things. Come, let us mend our pace. I cannot go as fast as I would like because of this burden on my back. Now I saw in my dream that just as they ended this talk, they came to a very miry slough that was in the center of the plain. Being heedless, both fell suddenly into the bog. They wallowed for a time, and Christian, because of the burden on his back, began to sink in the mire. Ah, neighbor Christian, where are you now? Truly, I do not know. Is this the happiness 
you told me about? If we have such ill speed at the outset of our journey, what may we expect between now and the end of our journey? If I get out of this with my life, you shall possess the brave country alone for me. And with that, he gave a desperate struggle or two and got out of the mire on that side of the slough that was next to his own house. So he went away, and Christian saw him no more. Though Christian was left to tumble in the slough of despond alone, he still endeavoured to struggle onto that side farthest from his own house and next to the wicket gate. But he could not get out because of the burden that was on his back. Then I beheld in my dream that a man came to him whose name was Help. He asked Christian what he did there. Sir, I was bidden to go this way by a man named Evangelist, who directed me also to yonder gate that I may escape the wrath to come, and as I was going thither I fell in here. But why did you not look for the steps? Fear followed hard after me, and I fled the next way and fell in. Then give me your hand. So he drew him out and set him upon solid ground and bade him go on his way. I stepped to him that plucked him out and asked, Sir, why is it that this plat is not mended that poor travellers might walk along more securely? He said to me, This miry slough is such a place as cannot be mended. It is the descent where the scum and filth that attend conviction of sin does continually run. Therefore it is called the slough of despond. As the sinner is awakened about his lost condition, there arise in his soul many fears and doubts and discouraging apprehensions which all settle in this place. Now I saw in my dream that by this time Pliable had arrived home and his neighbours came to visit him. Some of them called him wise for coming back. Others called him a fool for hazarding himself with Christian. Some mocked his cowardice for giving out after only a few difficulties. Now as Christian continued walking, he saw one coming over the field to meet him. The gentleman's name was Mr. Worldly Wise Man, who dwelt in a town called Carnal Policy. Having some knowledge of Christians setting forth from the city of destruction, he asked, How are you, good fellow? Where are you going in this burdened manner? A burdened manner indeed. I am going to yonder wicket gate, for there, I am informed, I shall be have my burden put away, and <laughs> I shall be rid of my heavy burden. Will you hearken to me if I give you good counsel? If it be good, I will, for I am in need of good counsel. I would advise you then to get rid of your burden with all speed, for 
you will never be settled in your mind, nor can you enjoy the blessings which God has bestowed upon you till then. That is what I seek for, but I cannot get the burden off myself, nor is there any man in our country who can take it off my shoulders. Who bade you to go this way to be rid of your burden? A great and honourable person, his name as I remember it was uh, Evangelist. Curses upon him for his counsel. There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world than that into which he has directed you. I see the dirt of the slough despond upon you. But that slough is but the beginning of sorrows that attend that way. Hear me, I am older than you. In the way you go, you are likely to meet with wearisomeness, pain, hunger, sword, lions, darkness, and in a word, death. Should a man cast himself away by giving heed to a stranger? Sir, this burden on my back is more terrible to me than all these things that you have mentioned. I care not what I meet with in the way, if I can also meet with deliverance from my burden. How came you by this burden at first? By reading this book in my hand. I thought so. <laughs> the same thing has happened to you that has happened to other weak men who, meddling with things too high for them, suddenly fall into distractions. I know I would obtain ease from my heavy burden. I could direct you to obtain what you desire without the dangers of the way in which you are running. Besides, you would meet with much safety, friendship, and contentment. Sir, I pray you, open this secret to me. In yonder village named Morality dwells a gentleman whose name is Legality. A very judicious man who has the skill to help men off with such burdens as yours. Besides, he has skill to cure those who are somewhat crazed in their wits. His house is hardly a mile from this place, and uh, if he should not be at home, he has a fine young son whose name is Civility. He can do as well as the old gentleman himself. There, I say, you can be eased of your burden, and if you are not of a mind to return to your former habitation, you may send for your wife and children, for there are houses now standing empty, one of which you could have at a reasonable rate. Provisions there are also cheap and good, and uh, you will live among honest neighbours. Sir, which is my way to this honest man's house? The first house beyond yonder high hill is his. So Christian turned out of his way to go to Mr. Legality's house for help. But when he came near the hill, 
It seemed so high that Christian was afraid to venture further. He stood still for a time, not knowing what to do. Also, his burden now seemed heavier to him than while he was in the way. There came also flashes of fire out of the hill that made Christian afraid that he should be burned. He began to tremble with fear and to be sorry he had taken Mr. Worldly Wise Man's counsel. Now he saw Evangelist coming to meet him and began to blush with shame. So Evangelist drew near and looked upon him with severe and dreadful countenance and thus began to reason with Christian. What are you doing here, Christian? Christian knew not what to answer and stood for a time speechless before him. Are you not the man I found crying outside the walls, the city of destruction? Yes, dear sir, I am the man. Did I not direct you in the way to the little wicked gate? Yes, dear sir. How is it then that you are so quickly turned aside, for you are now out of the way? I met a gentleman as soon as I got over the slough of despond, who persuaded me that I might find a man in the village before me who could take off my burden. What was he? He looked like a gentleman and talked much to me and got me at last to yield. So I came here. But when I saw how the hill hangs over the way, I suddenly made a stand lest it should fall upon my head. The man you met is one worldly wise man, and rightly he is so called, for he savours of the doctrine of this world. He always goes to the town of morality to church, and because he is of a carnal temper, he seeks to pervert my ways. There are three things in this man's counsel that you must utterly abhor. His turning you out of the way, his laboring to make the cross odious to you, his setting your feet in the way that leads to death. First, you should not consent to his turning you out of the way. The Lord says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for straight is the gate that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. Second, you are to prefer the cross to the treasures of Egypt. And third, you must hate his setting your feet in the way that led to the ministration of death. He to whom you were sent for ease was legality, the son of a bondwoman. No man was ever rid of his burden by him. Therefore, Mr. Worldly Wise Man is an alien and Mr. Legality is a cheat. And as for his son's civility, he is but a hypocrite and cannot help you. Then Evangelist called aloud to heaven for confirmation of what he had said. With that, there came fire and words out of the mountain under which Christian stood. As many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Sir, is there any hope? May I go back and 
go up to the wicket gate? Your sin is very great, but the man at the gate will receive you, for he has good will for men. Then Christian turned to go back, and Evangelist kissed him, and gave him a smile and bade him Godspeed. So he went on his way with haste, and spake to no man. In time, Christian arrived at the gate, on which was written, Knock, and it shall be opened to you. He knocked several times, and at last a grave person named Goodwill came to the gate and asked who was there and what he wanted. Here is a poor burdened sinner. I am informed that this is the gate that leads to Mount Zion, and would know whether you are willing to let me in. I am willing with all my heart. And with that he opened the gate. Then Christian, when he was stepping in, found the other giving him a great pull. He asked, What means that? The other told him that a little distance from the gate was erected a strong castle, of which Beelzebub is the captain. Christian trembled, but when he got in, the man at the gate asked who had directed him there. Evangelist bade me to come here and knock, as I did, and that you, sir, would tell me what I must do. An open door is set before you, and no man can shut it. Now I begin to reap the benefit of my hazards. How is it that you came alone? Because none of my neighbors saw their danger as I saw mine. Did any of them know of your coming? Yes, my wife and children saw me at first and called after me to go back. Also, some of my neighbors came after me to return, including obstinate and pliable, who followed me for a time. Obstinate went back very soon, but pliable came with me a little way. But why did he not come through? We both came together into the slough of despond, where we suddenly fell. Then was my neighbor pliable discouraged and would venture no further. Alas, poor man, is the celestial glory of so little esteem that he counts it not worth running the hazards of a few difficulties to attain it? It is true he went back to his own house, but I also turned aside to go into the way of death, being persuaded to go there by the carnal arguments of Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Oh, did he light upon you? He would have you seek ease at the hands of Mr. Legality. Both of them are a cheat. But did you take his counsel? Yes, as far as I dared. I went until I thought the mountain that stands by his house would fall upon my head, and I was forced to stop. That mountain has been the death of many. What a favor it is that I am admitted here. We make no objections against any, notwithstanding 
all that they have done before they come here, they are in no wise cast out. Look before you. Do you see this narrow way? It is made by the patriarchs, prophets, Christ and the apostles. It is as straight as a rule can make it. This is the way you must go. But are there no turnings or windings by which the stranger may lose his way? Yes, there are many ways that join upon this. They are crooked and wide, but you may be distinguished the right from the wrong, the right only being straight and narrow. Then I saw in my dream that Christian asked him further if he could not help him off with his burden that was on his back, for as yet he was not rid of it, and he could not get it off without help. He was told, As for your burden, be content to bear it until you come to the place of deliverance, for there it will fall from your back of itself. Christian comes to the cross. Christian began to address himself to his journey. He was told that when he had gone some distance from the gate, he would come to the house of interpreter, at whose door he should knock, and he would be shown excellent things. At last he came to the house of the interpreter, and after knocking for a time, he was greeted and brought to the master of the house. Sir, I am a man who has come from the city of destruction, and I am going to Mount Zion. Come in. I will show you that which will be profitable to you. So he commanded his man to light the candle and told Christian to follow. He led him into a private room and bade his man to open the door. Christian saw then the picture of a very grave person hanging on the wall. This was the fashion of it. It had eyes lifted up to heaven, the best of books in its hand. The law of truth was written upon its lips. The world was behind its back. It stood as if it pleaded with men and a crown of gold hung over its head. What means this? This man in the picture is one of a thousand. Whereas you see him with his eyes lifted up to heaven, the best book in his hand, and the law of truth written on his lips, it is to show you that his work is to know and unfold dark things to sinners, even as you also see him stand as if he pleaded with men. Whereas you see the world behind him and the crown of gold hanging over his head, it is to show you 
that slighting the things that are present for the love of his master's service, he is sure to be rewarded of glory in the next world. I have shown you this picture first because the man whose picture this is is the only man whom the Lord of the place where you are going has authorized to be your guide in all difficult places. Therefore, take heed to what I have shown you. Then he took Christian by the hand and led him into a very large parlor that was full of dust. Interpreter called for a man to sweep, and when he began the dust flew about so abundantly that Christian was almost choked. Then said interpreter to a damsel that stood by, Bring water and sprinkle the room. When she had done it, the room was cleansed. What means this? The parlor is the heart of a man that was never sanctified by the sweet grace of the gospel. The dust is original sin and has defiled the whole man. He that began to sweep at first is the law, but she that brought water and sprinkled it is the gospel. This is to show you that the law, instead of cleansing the heart, rather revives and increases sin. It does not give power to subdue. But when the gospel comes in, with its sweet and precious influence, so sin is vanquished and a soul made clean through faith and made fit for the king of glory to inhabit. Then I saw in my dream that interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him to a place where a fire was burning against a wall. One standing by it was casting much water upon it to quench it. Yet the fire burned hotter and more brightly. What means this? This fire is the work of grace wrought in the heart. He that casts water upon it to extinguish it is the devil. But now you will see the reason why the fire burns more brightly. Then Christian was led to the back side of the wall where he saw a man with a vessel of oil in his hand. He was continually, but secretly, casting oil into the fire. What means this? This is Christ, who, with the oil of his grace, maintains the work begun in the heart, no matter what the devil may do. That the man is behind the wall is to teach you that it is hard for the tempted to see how the work of grace is maintained in the soul. Then interpreter led Christian into a very dark room where sat a man in an iron cage. He seemed very sad. He sat with his eyes looking down to the ground. His hands were folded and he sighed as if his heart would break. Then said Christian, What means this? The interpreter bade him talk with the man. 
What are you? I am what I was not once. Once I was fair and flourishing professor, both in my own eyes and also in the eyes of others. I was, as I thought, prepared for the celestial city and had joy at the thought I should get there. But what are you now? I am a man of despair and am shut up in this iron cage and unable to get out. But how did you come by this condition? I left off to watch and be sober. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts. I sinned against light in the world and against goodness of God. I have grieved the Spirit and He is gone. I am, I am sure I provoked God to anger and He has left me. I have so hardened my heart I cannot repent. Is there no hope? The Son of Man is very merciful. I have crucified him afresh. I have despised his person, and I have counted his blood as an unholy thing, and have done despite to the Spirit of grace. God help me to watch and be sober, and pray that I may shun the cause of this man's misery. Sir, is it not time for me to go on my way? Tarry till I show you one thing more. He then took Christian by the hand into a chamber where was one rising from his bed, trembling. Then said Christian, Why is this man trembling? Interpreter bade him to tell Christian the reason. <laughs> this night, as I was sleeping, I dreamed that the heavens grew exceeding black. I, I looked up and saw the clouds racing and heard a great trumpet sound. <laughs> a man sat upon a cloud, attended by thousands of heaven. I, I heard a voice saying, Arise, ye dead, and come to judgment. With that, the rocks rent, and the graves opened, and the dead that were therein came forth. So <laughs> some of them were exceeding glad, and looked upward. Some sought to hide themselves under the mountains. <laughs> Then I saw the man that sat upon the cloud open the book and bid the world draw near. He said, Gather together the tares, the chaff, and the stubble, and cast them into the burning lake. Again he said, Gather my wheat into the garner. But uh, what is it that made you so afraid of this sight? I thought the day of judgment was come, and I was not ready for it. But it frightened me most when the angels gathered up several and left me behind. Then said interpreter to Christian, 
Have you considered these things? Yes, and they put me in hope and fear. Keep all these things well in mind, that they may goad you forward in the way you must go. The Comforter be with you always, good Christian, to guide you in the way that leads to the city. Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side by a wall called Salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran till he came to a raised place upon which stood a cross and a little below, a sepulchre. I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from his shoulders and fell from his back and began to tumble till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in, and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and lightsome and said with a merry heart, he has given me rest by his sorrows and life by his death. He stood still a while to look and wonder, for it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. He looked again and again till the springs that were in his head sent waters down his cheeks. As he stood looking and weeping, three shining ones came to him and saluted him with, Peace be to thee. The first said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. The second stripped him of his rags and clothed him with a change of raiment. And the third set a mark on his forehead and gave him a scroll with a seal upon it that he should turn in at the celestial city. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went forth singing. If you want to learn more about Titus Women, visit us online at tituswomen.org.